Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, Hillsong, Kansas City. Hope this finds you well. I don't know about you, but in times like this, when I don't always know what to do, I don't always know what to say, I don't even always know what to feel, it's a beautiful opportunity to know how to worship to know how to give God my heart. You know, God knows exactly what you're called to do, exactly how you're supposed to respond, and he knows exactly how to heal every pain, every problem, every struggle in your current situation and in your heart. And there's nothing like just giving him a little bit of praise. If you're watching by yourself, if you're watching in one of our home-to-home groups, if you're watching with your family, why don't we just take a few moments in a season of uncertainty to trust in what is certain, the love of God, the grace of God, the plan of heaven for our lives. Let's worship him for who he is right now. Let's invite him into our lives. Tell him that you need him. Tell him that you love him. Tell him your problems and your pain. And when you do that, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will come into your world, will lock down every insecurity, will heal every broken place. There's a whole lot of brokenness going on in our world, in our city fractures and divides that have existed for generations and I do believe and declare none of this is a surprise to God in fact I believe some of this is actually God having just a moment to remove his mercy and covering over some of the brokenness in our nation so that he can get to work and he gets to work through our prayer he gets to work through our participation he gets to work through the church and before he does a work through us how many know he's got to do a work in us Come on, Hillsong, Kansas City, let's invite them. Do a work in our heart, Lord. We need you more than ever. We need you more than ever. Let's pray for our city. Let's pray for our church. Let's pray for our nation. Let's pray for our neighbors, our real neighbors, not just the people that live on your street. When Jesus was asked, who is your real neighbor? He says, it's actually the person that you despise the most. That's the neighbor that you need to love the most. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are good even when things are going bad. You're the Prince of Peace. You've got a plan of peace, not just to settle things down so they don't have a boiling point, but to bring breakthrough, to bring change. Lord, we pray for justice in our nation. We pray for the voiceless to be given voice. We pray for your mercy to flood us like never before. And what the enemy meant for destruction, what the enemy meant for lasting pain, and brokenness, God, you're going to bring lasting peace and breakthrough. We mourn with those that mourn. We stand for those that cannot stand for themselves. We speak for the voiceless, and we love those that are even hard to love. And Lord, we thank you that your love rules, your love reigns. Let it change us today. Lord, let us live called out, called out for the purpose of heaven, called out to bring lasting transformation through our church, to our city. We love you, Lord. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Man, it's so good to be with you, church. And your comments are showing up here. Uh, Someone says, I can't wait for the sanctuary to be open. You and me both. Uh, Someone's praying for the riots that are going on in America. Someone from Australia said, hey, we need to stand beside you. Hey, we love you all the way from Sydney and Australia. And someone's saying just good morning to everybody. What an amazing worship team. Yeah, we really are blessed as a church. Before I jump into the word and we look at the interview that I had with Dr. Bedell, as we're in a series called Called Out, we're having a couple weekends. And I just want to let you know this is not just a one-off this weekend. We're going to continue this series on to next weekend. In fact, throughout the entire week on Instagram Live, I'm going to be having some called out conversations. Because I don't know about you, I just want to learn myself. I'm like, God, let the change happen in me. Let the God do your greatest work in me. And I think if all of us would say, God, investigate me first, then God would do something great through us through all that. But I I just want to address as a church, when are we coming back together live in the flesh here in the room as I'm broadcasting live? There's about nine people in here on the team. And it's just good to be able to speak to people that aren't just through a camera And they're laughing a lot because I told them to do that. And they have to laugh double because there's nothing funny about today's message. But anyways, um, 
whenever we're coming back together, because I know churches are meeting today uh, in our city and in the suburbs. Uh, and we're just gonna put pause on it just for a moment. And I will have a updated timeline of what we think we'll be able to do. And this is where we're a little bit different than most churches. We have two locations and they're in two different places in our city and two different sizes. And if we were to honor the, which we always will honor the expectation of our city and our state and our government. But as we would honor that, the plaza location, we'd have to say no to over a thousand people that normally come to church there. And I, for one, I just don't feel like that is the spirit of welcome home. That's not the spirit of Hillsong Church. And if there was ever a time not to say no to an individual and says, hey, you can't come in. The, this is the season where we would never say that. We're saying, hey, our doors are wide open. Whomsoever to the Lord may come. And so because we're in a little bit of a different situation than some churches, we're going to handle it with a little extra care. Uh, because more than just meeting together, which I know is so powerful, we want to just walk in unity with our city. We want to walk in unity and be good neighbors to those that are around us in Kansas City. I would never want our church to become a place, a hotspot or a breakout of this evil virus that's been attacking our world. We're going to do everything we can to walk in peace. And when we participate in worship together, I'll have an update this Wednesday. I have one more conversation I want to have with the mayor, and then we'll be able to set at least what we think will be a timeline for our return. But in the meantime, we're going home to home, which is what the first early church did as well. They gathered in home to home. When, when they could not gather together because of the problems of the culture around them, of course, they were being persecuted. But when they could not gather together, they just went home to home. And God has still brought revival through home to home. And so if you feel comfortable, if you feel led, if you've been in isolation and you're ready to make some connections in our church, please just go to our website, uh, Hillsong KC Online, and uh, you can then find a home group that is for you. Uh, hey, let's address what we're all feeling and what we're all facing. Uh, hey, I'm well aware that I've got blind spots. I'm well aware when it comes to the racial conversation that I come from privilege and live in privilege. And so listen, I never want to speak like I have an authority of what someone else has ever walked through or what someone else is feeling. But what I do feel like the Holy Spirit is working in me is that the Word of God, the ultimate authority in our life, has something to say for every single one of us. So I am not here to preach at you. I am not here to tell you what to do. I believe God wants to speak to our church what we can do, what we're called to do, and what He wants to do in the life of every individual and the life of all of us together. I realize that my perspective has been biased over the years, not by, in choice, not by choice or indifference, but honestly, just out of ignorance and upbringing. I did not grow up like many of you have. I did not grow up like much of our city did. And I, but I, I choose to grow up in my maturity and not stay in this place. Let's all refuse to stay where we're at. There is progress and forward motion for every single one of us when it comes to loving our neighbor, understanding our neighbor, and walking with our neighbor. You know, once again, there's been an incident. We all know this is why we're here, this is why we're speaking about it. An unarmed black man killed in the streets of our nation. Something that happens far too often that it's almost become familiar. And it was by a person that was sworn to protect and serve. Instead, they attacked and killed. It's shocking. It's painful. It, it, it breaks our hearts. It's painful, not just for people that look like or resemble or relate uh, on, on a cultural level with George Floyd's ethnicity but also for all of us in humanity. Anytime you see a person's life taken by someone that was supposed to protect it, it's double the pain. It's double the hurt. But make no doubt about it, as it hurts the African-American community, as it hurts the, the minority community, as it hurts all of us in this Kansas City community, it hurts the heart of God more than anything. And anything that hurts the heart of God should matter to us the most. It should be paramount in our perspective and what we're seeing. So I believe God wants to speak. God wants to bring healing. And I just want to say this on behalf of Hillsong, Kansas City. If you've ever, as a person of color, diversity, a minority, if you've ever felt afraid, rejected, abused, abandoned, singled out, oppressed, if you've ever felt threatened, marginalized, betrayed, simply by being the person God created and made you to be, 
None of it by your choice. It's just who God, who fearfully and wonderfully made you to be. If you've ever felt any of those things, let me just tell you, as part of Hillsong, Kansas City, part of Hillsong Church, we want to tell you that we, we're doing everything we can to see you, to stand with you. We want to hear you loud and clear. We want to walk with you. We want to see God's restoration. We want to go hand in hand with you. We want to bless you. We want to uh, rally around your God-given future. We're standing with you. We will cry with you. We will fought, fight alongside with you. And we believe and declare you will see God's restoration, redemption, and victory. You're going to see the fullness of God's best in your life. Because Jesus came to do that for all people. Not people that just look like me or talk like me or live on my street. Jesus wants to bring life in abundance, life in its fullness, life free from fear for every single one of us. Amen? Amen. It was so good to be with you. And we're, we're in a series in a season called Called Out. And we're going to take a couple weekends, and we'll see how long it goes, just depending on the leading of the Holy Spirit. But we're going to have some called out conversations. We're going to talk about some things that sometimes are difficult to talk about. And yesterday, I had the huge opportunity and privilege to sit down with our superintendent of schools, Dr. Mark Bedell, who's a friend of our church and has become one of the key allies in our HOPE initiatives through the House of HOPE in our city, taking care of our children, taking care of our youth and their families as we've been feeding all parts of the city uh, as a House of HOPE. And really, that's the one thing we're allowed to do as House of HOPE is just be a place of food distribution. And so instead of like being frustrated for what we can't do, we're just putting our full emphasis on what we can do and, and fully participating and blessing our neighbors and taking care of their needs. So here's what happened with Dr. Mark Bedell. We, we sat down and he only had about 25 minutes to give us because he had a busy full day. And, and so as, but, but as we sat down and just began to catch up, the conversation immediately shifted towards everything that was on our heart. So instead of like, hey, we're gonna start now, we just started. And what was supposed to be a 25-minute conversation ended up being well over an hour because God was touching it and God was using it. I was learning so much. And, and I love that we got to speak to someone in our own city to understand what the plight is of our own neighbor. In fact, that's what God said, that, hey, you're going to go into all the world, but you need to start in your Jerusalem. Kansas City is our Jerusalem. And yes, we have a heart for our region in the Midwest. And yes, we have a heart for the nation in the entire world. But it says we need to start here. And so we got an education of what it looks like to be a person of minority, a person of color in Kansas City. We, look, we got a, a firsthand information from one of the top lead servants in our, uh, servant leaders in our city of what it means to be a young person growing up in Kansas City. And it was a powerful conversation. Here's what we did. We ended up cutting it to just give you really a few of the great parts of it. But it, the whole conversation in its entirety will be posted on YouTube, probably on Facebook as well, today after church is over. And I want to highly encourage you, watch the whole thing. I think after you watch this part that we're going to play for you, you're going to have an anticipation to see the whole thing. And every one of us, no matter where you come from, as you're part of our church, I'm just asking you as Pastor Kyle here today, if this is your church family, let's all lean in and get the education we need. We need God's wisdom. We need to be able to see it as it's really happening. So we're going to cue this moment. Lean in and listen, and let's all learn what God wants to speak to us. I'll be back in just a moment. We're joined by Dr. Mark Bedell, and we're recording just uh, our normal conversation. Yeah, this is just this is just us. How we talk. Yeah, and uh, we're so honored to have you here and speaking into our church as a friend of our church, and we're very much a friend and. Uh, uh, love that we're partnering with you as you're uh, the top servant leader in our school district and a representation of thousands of our youth that we're believing uh, to be the future of Kansas City. And without leaders like you and your team and other great leaders like you in our city, um, the future's pretty bleak. But because I think of your sacrifice and your heart and your humility, um, I believe the future's going to begin to get brighter and brighter, as it says in Proverbs 4 until the noonday sun, until the lights are right open and lights are on and everyone has an opportunity, honestly, to live in the sun, to live in the light. But I, I tell people I, I was fortunate. I had some good people who came into my life, but it, it was it was hard. And um, growing up, um, being a ward of the state, being homeless at points, uh, being fortunate, you know, to be the only one out of eight of us to make it out of high school in my family, 
and um, you know, had the opportunity to go to college. The difference for me, I think, and some of my siblings was that I was fortunate to get some positive adult advocates in front of me at different periods as I was navigating my way through, um, you know, some of the some of the poverty and just some of the disparities that that we had to deal with as a family. Um, it doesn't make my brothers and sisters, you know, inferior or any less intelligent. The difference is I felt like I had advantages because I had positive adult advocates that came into my life at critical times. And that's why I talk a lot about the importance of mentoring and just realizing that, you know, there's a lot of people that have a tremendous amount of privilege. They'll never ever lose that privilege and they can help lift somebody else up that, you know, now can help make the community and the city and the world better. You know, I shared with um, a group of people yesterday, you know, I'm the superintendent. I've been in a number of magazines here, you know, recognized for the influence that I have. And I, I can't really walk around with a hoodie on. I can't, you know, like I can't, I automatically become a threat in my neighborhood wearing a hoodie, right? My wife is an attorney and the thing she always tells me is, you know, I, I know that's something you love to kind of have on, but you just can't, you can't afford to do that. You can't afford to have it on. You can't, you know, and, and so, you know, not being able to be who I really want to be, right? And, and I'm all, and you know, so it's always, okay, you know, you, you have to adjust to the norms of the dominant culture, your culture and the way that we go about doing things, you know, it's, it has always taken a back seat in this country. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even, even being in, in this position of, of influence and, and it's a very powerful position and I, I got access to every media outlet. I got access to any kind of leader, you know, for the most part that I, I can set up a meeting with the governor. I can, you know, yeah. um, you still, because of being black, your leadership is always questioned. Uh, your emotions are always questioned. You know, you're an angry black man, an angry black woman. Um, and then it's always, you know, people second guess, do you, you know, does this person even deserve to be here? I know you're not gonna like this term, but I just look at you as a hero. And it always takes a hero on the front line um, who takes the shots. And, you know, even if you just look at from, anytime there's been progress in humanity, there's someone who had an idea normally, something that they thought was unjust or something we could do better. They go first, they catch all the heat, they sometimes go down as a martyr, and sometimes their, their forward progress or their forward thinking or what they stood for doesn't get celebrated or implemented until after they're gone. And I just want to say for you, on behalf of our city and the future of our children in this city, and our children are the future of our city, um, we're so proud and honored to have you as a man of God and as a leader and as an advocate for real change. I think my, my biggest question, and I don't want to talk all the time because honestly, I'm here, you're an educator, I'm here to get an education. All right. I'm here to get an education from you, is I, I, I know how we got here historically. What I don't understand is how are we still here? And what do we do to, to somehow spark a lasting change or a movement that honestly isn't just like a social media driven frenzy for a moment and then we all forget about it, like we forgot about 2017 and 2018. You know, how does this bring lasting change? Well, the the first thing I would I would suggest to, to people who are listening to this is <clears throat> if we all just get excited for a short period of time. It goes back to what I talked about. It's all surface level. Um, the only way that you're gonna make the kind of change that we need to make is you gotta take a look at policies, right? We have to, we have to look at the decisions that are being made, you know, at the federal level and the state level and even locally, we have to look at 
And now when I talk about the policy piece, oftentimes the language that's in those policies are written in a way where it's skewed towards the dominant culture way of thinking. And so you may have policies that talk about here's what proper grooming should look like, right? And it's, you know, it's a picture of a white male student with a nice clean cut. Here's what it doesn't look like. And it's a black student with, you know, braids in his hair or a black student that got lines in his hair. And, and, And those are the type of things that if you are going to facilitate change, when you start attacking policy, then what happens is everybody then has to abide by that because now you policy requires you, it, it, it creates a different level of accountability, right? So they go out and talk about, we want to see these changes, we want to do these things, and then if, once things simmer down, you know, the hard work begins once things start to simmer down. What would you say to someone like me, and I've lived right near the line, but I don't now, um, like, hey, I'm frustrated, of course, I, I'm getting an education, not by just the social media outlets, not just by Facebook. I'm reading, uh, I'm absorbing information so I have knowledge to do something. But you know, knowledge is, is information. Wisdom is what you do with the knowledge that you have. How, what's a wise move for a person like me, a person in our church, to bring voice, to bring change? Where would I get started? It's, it's, it's not hard. I, I think there's a lot of advocacy organizations and, and um, you know, I would say, you know, un- until we're able to listen to the voices of, of some of our leaders and, you know, I, I talk a lot about Gwen Grant, but I-, I talk a lot about her because she's done concrete things. Yesterday, being on that call with Gwen Grant, one thing she said is, and we were, there were four white people on, on the call. And she said, you know, she's frustrated with everything going on and the situation in Minneapolis and, um, you know, what happened there in Georgia. Uh, But all of the other situations that have occurred, Michael Brown, Trayvon, um, you had Freddie Gray in Baltimore. I was living there when that happened. And she's like, you know, we but we can't do this. Like we need we need white people to step up. We need white people to step up. And you have to be very sincere and intentional about wanting to help us, right? And 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 being a voice, right? Because when we're all united and we're all together, things really can get done. Yeah. And I, that was her plea yesterday. That was her plea. And so I would I would say if we really want to start doing something, you know, that's where it begins. Let's go ahead and get these leaders together and let's let's start talking about what are the three things that we can do right now that will set Kansas City ahead of everybody else. And and, and then from there, let's let's go after those three things. And we know there's a lot, but what's the stuff that's already on the ground that we can pick up, that we can automatically say, here's things that we can say right now, post COVID-19, post, you know, everything that's going on around the country right now, um, Kansas City took an opportunity to truly be intentional and they took advantage of it and now because of what we've done we're on the right side of history rather than we just got through this mm-hmm. and then we regress right back yeah, right? But, but it's got to be concrete things Yeah. And, and the only way you get that is to say okay I'm, I'm ready I'm ready to engage I'm ready to go all in um, I'm not worried about the implications of it because this is the right thing to do, right? And that's where you begin to have sustainable change. In your respective uh, positions that you all are in and the influence that that many of you all have in here as members of your community and the workforce, um, the thing that I've shared with my team is three things. One thing I said to them is I, I, I encourage them to think about every hour of each day what can i do what decisions can i make that will allow for us to to have a better you know a better organization and to have more impact on those that we serve or those that we choose to serve the second thing that i talk about is what are the things that we just no longer need to continue to do 
Because sometimes we just do things because it's what we're accustomed to, it's the norm. Yeah. And then the third thing is, what is it that I can do right now that will set myself and the organization that I'm a part of ahead, far ahead of, 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 of everybody in terms of the, 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 the substantial changes that we've been able to make to address you know, some of these disparities and some of these policy issues that will allow for people when it's all said and done on the other end of it all to engage with us at a much higher level than they had prior to this pandemic. And so, you know, I, I, I want, I'm trying to get my people to think that way because what I don't want is for my kids to have to come back to the system that was designed in the way that it was designed prior to us having to shut down. Yeah. Because that system didn't work for 70 to 75% of the kids the way that I wanted to work for them. Yeah. And so I don't want to go back to that world. Yeah. I want to go to a world that is embracing our students in such a different way. We're, we're teaching in a different way. We, we have different calendar options that we think will better serve our kids, not yeah. this traditional way that we've always done things. And so that's the kind of stuff that we're doing right now is we're thinking through and we also taking into account how do we dismantle the tenets of structural racism? Well, you said <laughs> history pretty much repeats itself if we don't bring change. That's what history makers do. And I feel like our church is called, I think you're a history maker in our city and we're called to rally around you and bring lasting change. And I do think one of the beauties of COVID-19 is that it's a reset. It's given us a reset opportunity. And I think a great opportunity that we're seeing right now with the racial tension in our nation, is gives people a chance to reset their hearts, be aware of the prejudice they've had, be aware of the privilege they have, be aware of how they can participate and bring lasting change. Don't just get angry for a weekend or a week or a month and then two years from now, remember back, the next time it happens, remember back to, oh yeah, that happened again, because that's history repeating itself. But we're going to be history makers, and we're going to step in, and I, honestly, I believe we're going to secure a better future for um, for our, uh, our our students, which is a better future for our city, which is a better future for our nation. Dr. Bell, we love you very much. Thank you so very much time for my education uh, that the church gets to sit on that as well. It means a lot to me. Uh, just to let you know, we have your back, your administrative team's back, your, your teacher's back, your student's back. And I know, uh, not just through House of Hope, just through Hillsong Church as well, we'll do everything that we can in our power to leverage that which we have for the leadership and the opportunity and the vision that's in your heart. Uh, thank you so very much. We love you and um, uh, it was an amazing time with you. You're the best. What a powerful moment and uh, what a powerful interview. What an awesome man, an awesome leader in our city. Uh, we're very grateful. I know, Dr. Bedell, you're watching today, and we just want to say, as a church, we're so grateful to have you and your family uh, leading the way for the next generation in our city, and uh, we're going to stand with you all the way, and we believe that that desire and vision that God has placed in your heart, which I think is the plan of heaven for our next generation, uh, we believe it's going to come to pass in Jesus' name name. I just want to tell everybody who's a part of the church or everyone who's viewing this right now, hey, make sure you jump on and watch that interview in its entirety. He gives us a list of, of videos to watch and even a book to read. If you really want to know how we got here in Kansas City and how we can get past this and through where we're called to go as a city, you need to tune in and you need to educate yourself with all of the resource that he made available to us. And again, this called out conversations are going to happen all week long. Uh, stay tuned into our our church Instagram to find out when it's happening. Please, let's be joining in. And let's be really quick to listen, to learn, so that we can lean in, so that we can love well, and so that we can lead well. We all know that racism is a sin. We all know that it's diabolical. We need to know how heartbreaking it is to God. It's not just an American problem. It's a humanity problem. It's been happening from the very beginning since the fall of man. There's been pride, animosity, and tension that has destroyed lives, destroyed nations, destroyed people. It is demonic in nature. And I'm gonna be real spiro, real spiritual for a moment. Anywhere and anytime, there has been a long lasting tension between people groups that has led to oppression, that has led to murder. It's always connected. If it's something that never heals, 
is what the Bible would call a stronghold. It's more than just our human pride or ignorance. It's more than even hate. There's a spirit behind it. The Bible would say it this way. There are principalities and powers and rulers in high places. It is not talking about government. It's talking about the enemy, the enemy of us all. It's talking about the work of Satan. And these are not just some Pentecostal preacher's words. This is the Apostle Paul. In fact, he starts out that reference, that scripture, by saying, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. People are not our problem. The enemy is our problem. Because you'll never look in the eyes of another person, no matter how much they might not look like you or might not like you. You'll never look in the eyes of another person that isn't deeply loved by God and that Jesus did not get, lay down his life for that person. So we have to know that their problems aren't with people. This is a spiritual battle first and foremost. And yet we don't just pray to see real cultural transformation take place. We have to participate. We have to give voice to the voiceless. Like Dr. Bedell said, when, when the, the, the majority that's in power controls things and manipulates things for their own benefit, this is what happens in our broken system. So we need to give voice, we need to take action, we need to vote, we need to change, we need to stand with those because if we're just talking, if we're just having a post but we're not participating, that's a faith without a work. That's a faith without a step. The Bible says that's dead, dead in the water, not going to bring any change. Talk without walk is what the, that's the language of hypocrisy. And this is where I am. It's not enough to be sad, and we should be sad. It's not enough to be mad, and we should be mad, but that's not enough. Uh, this issue of systematic racism and injustice in America isn't enough to be emotional about. Let God speak to you, maybe even through your emotions, through the word, by his Holy Spirit, in conversation with others that aren't like you. But if our emotions will leave us over time, we need lasting heart change. We need people crying out that says, God, investigate my heart. Instead of justifying what you haven't done or who you haven't been, say, God, like, the, like King David did, investigate my heart. See if there isn't anything that's ill-pleasing to you still in there. See if there isn't the residue of my upbringing or my, my response from somebody else or the time I was manipulated or controlled or left out or oppressed. See if there isn't any wrong spirit in me. Change me. And it says, lead me in the way of everlasting is what David says. In other words, I want to walk with eternity in mind. In eternity, all of us that call on the name of Jesus from every tribe, every tongue, every shade, Every creed group that says, I believe in Jesus, will be together. Heaven is going to be the most diverse place on the planet. And we can bring change to our broken world, to our broken nation. Jesus said at the very end, he prayed over his followers. He says, God, make them one so that the world, so that those that don't believe in me yet, this is my paraphrase, will know that I'm real that I'm authentic. In other words, use the unity of the believers to show the authenticity of Jesus. This is why it's so important that we don't just get mad, we don't just get sad, and we allow our emotions to leave us, but we say, God, work something new in us. And I'm just making a commitment from Hillsong Church here in Kansas City. This is not a one-off. This is a new chapter in our life that we're not just saying, hey, racism is bad. We're saying unity is what we live for, Diversity is what we long for. Bringing other people up from our places of privilege, from our own prosperity. Generosity is what we long to have in our city more than anything. And we're, I'm praying for our city that God make us one. I think if it angers God, it should anger us. It should anger all of us. But anger has to lead to activation. Activation has to lead to transformation. So let your frustration not just be a fire that burns you down or burns our city down. Let your frustration become a fire on the inside for more of the pursuit of what heaven needs to look like. Because Jesus says, God, let it be in heaven, let it be in earth just like it is in heaven. That should be our declaration. Romans chapter 12, verse 21 says, we don't overcome by evil, but we overcome evil with good. In other words, we do not fight evil with evil. We do not fight evil with anger. We can have a righteous anger, but we overcome evil with good. Proverbs 31 says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure, in other words, make sure it happens. Ensure justice for those. And if I ever think of a scripture that's more relevant, 
relevant to what happened this week, for those being crushed, for those that maybe society or the system has put their knee on. Make sure we ensure, ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see, speak and see that they get justice. We need to see and speak up. Let's not forget, we are building, Jesus says, kingdom first. Kingdom first. We're not building America first, we're building kingdom first. Hey, I'm grateful for many of the values and principles that our nation was founded on. I've been around the world and I see what other people deal with. Everywhere has problems. Everywhere has pain. Everywhere has tension. But I'm convinced this, that if we would live for the kingdom dream, which is what? Kingdom come, will be done. Heaven on earth. Do it in us, Lord. Do it through us, Lord. If we would live for the kingdom dream, not the American dream, we would also build a better city and a nation in the process. You know, I read this this week as I was in pouring over literature and information just to make sure that I didn't come up here just out of emotion, but with what God was really wanting to say and speak to me. Uh, and I read the story that the custom greeting for hello in the Natal tribe in South Africa is Sawabonu. And I know I said that wrong, but just let the Holy Spirit translate it for you the right way. But when they say hello, what it really means is they're saying, I see you. And the response back isn't, I see you too. It's Sakona, which means I am here. It's almost as if they're saying, I don't really exist until I'm seen. Until you acknowledge that you see me, I'm not really even here. What people need from you, what those that don't look like us or you need from you, is not just for you to join in the rage, and they don't need you to try to heal their pain. Only Jesus heals pain. What they need more than ever to starting point is to be seen. Can we look past our old lenses and old perspective? Can we get a fresh vision from heaven as how does God see kingdom come in our city, in our neighborhoods, from the north city to the south, from the Kansas side to the Missouri side, both sides of Truce and Paseo? What does God see for us and what will God's will be done through us, the church? One thing I know about Jesus is he always saw the marginalized and those being looked over. At the Pool of Bethesda, they saw the man that for 38 years was walked over, stepped over, held in that place. And that's the one person he went and talked to. He always sees those that no one else is looking for. Can we carry that same culture of Christ? Always looking for ones that maybe society is left behind or even has oppressed in the system. Hey, God's plan when it came to creation was to give you two eyes, two ears, two eyes to see, two ears to hear, two hands to help and serve, two feet to walk with, and one mouth. Your voice matters. Your words matters. Stand up and speak it. Say it loud. Say it brave. Be filled with courage. Call it as you see it. But we need more than words. We've got to be able to see differently. We've got to have conversations and listen differently. We need to use our hands to build up, not tear down. We need to use our feet, not just go where our agenda is for the day, but let heaven's agenda rule the day. We need to walk with people through their pain, through their problems, through their struggles. We need to stand with people. We need to kneel and cry with people. Before we speak out, let God saturate our heart with what he's wanting to do in us, and then he'll do something powerful through us. This last week, since COVID really started, I, I've been gathering a couple groups of guys uh, on Zoom calls, and I know we're all so sick of Zoom. And God bless you, Zoom. I know you're making billions of dollars right now, but I'm ready for COVID to be over, so I don't have to be on another Zoom call. But I was on a Zoom call uh, with just guys that, I, that are all around their age, 24, 25, in our church, uh, just spending some time with them, uh, investing. And actually, what we've been looking at is I've been just kind of teaching, and we've been had a discussion on overlooked leaders, like leaders who are behind the scenes that don't get a lot of credibility that people don't write books about from the Old Testament and the New and but this week obviously the conversation needed to change and even to pivot and i begin to ask um hey what what is it like and it's amazing just on the call this wednesday there was i think 11 of the 22 of us on the call or some sort of minority group 11 of the 22 half of us didn't look like the other half and i just begin to ask hey hey what is it like what don't i see where am i missing it as the leader of our church 
where can we get it better? And they begin to tell a story, almost every single one, one by one. I've had one guy told a story that the cops surrounded him. He's just trying to do his job. And he actually said, I never told anybody this before. And I just feel like, man, I saw the plight of people that I actually worship with every weekend that we build the church together with. I saw it in a different light. And when I began to see what they were actually walking through, I don't know all the solutions, but I know that I can now stand with them the better than I could before. I know I can speak into their lives in a stronger way because we built a bridge of authenticity and relationship. I didn't come to preach at them. I wanted to come and learn from them. I think our, our nation needs it more than ever. Not us preaching and proclaiming. I think we need to speak peace. We need to speak life. We need to speak up against the injustice, but we need to see it for what it is and we need to stand with people where they're at. Liz and I have labored for 10 years, a decade in this city to always build. I was saying this from the very beginning. I always wanted to build a church that looks like the city. Generationally, diversity, I wanted to build a church that looks like the city. And when we started out, we were the farthest thing from that. It was Liz and I and a bunch of 20-year-old white kids, right? And, and yet over time, God's been doing something great. Over the time, we've grown. But I believe more than ever, Hillsong, Kansas City, there is more for us. If we want to build a church that changes the city, we got to build a church that reaches the city. we got to build a church that looks like the city. we got to be a church that cries with the city. we got to be a church that stands with the city. we got to be a church that blesses the city. Because if we don't celebrate where we're different, we begin to isolate into groups. And when we begin to isolate, the enemy will use that to bring intimidation. The enemy will use that to bring division. And if difference isn't valued, it becomes feared. The kingdom of God is diverse. It is the most diverse family on the planet. We are a billion strong from every tribe, every tongue, every continent, every shade, every background, every story. That's what the kingdom of God is. And we're building kingdom first. I believe that with all my heart. Again, I believe we gotta build that kingdom dream. When we build that kingdom dream, it will transform our city. It will transform our church. It will transform our nation. I would say this, at the cross, because of the cross, no one is not on your level. Wherever you come from and whatever you walk through. Jesus taught us right before he went to the cross that the king of heaven was willing to get down on his knees and serve people that were going to walk out on him, that were going to betray him. They were even going to say, I'm not even with that person. Jesus taught us that the king of the universe gets down and serves. So guess what? Everyone's on your level. In fact, you should level yourself as low as possible. Not try to, in this world we live in, everyone's looking to be above everyone else, to platform over people. But Jesus is saying, I have something better for you. I need you to participate in serving people and participate in surrendering for people. I need you to get as low as you can. And from that place of humility, the Bible says he then, Receive the highest of authority. You want to really grow in your life? You want to grow in your calling? Look to serve people that can't do anything else for you. Look to serve people that are not like you. And I am convinced when we live that way, God will show you the way for your life and your dreams will become a reality when you're not looking to get something from yourself, but you're looking to give your life away. That's what Jesus said. Apostle Paul says it this way, I've become all things to all people that I might win, I might reach, I might change some. We need to get out of our comfort zone and into our called place. I'm calling you out, Hillsong Church. Become everything to everyone. Become a servant of all so that we can reach some. Use your privilege and your platform to protect and promote. Don't use it for yourself. In fact, I saw a passage in the scripture this Wednesday that I've never seen the connection before. And I've, of course, I've never dived in this deep to, to reconciliation in the church. But then I saw this story in a way I've never heard preached and never seen before. And it's the story of David and Jonathan. David, the second king of Israel, Jonathan, the son of the first king, Saul. And Saul used David. The older generation used David as his servant. In fact, it said he sent, wherever Saul sent, David was successful. It was successful for Saul's agenda. He sent him out to fight a battle, he always won the war. People liked him, people began to follow him, and Saul got insecure because he saw someone who was under him coming up to be with him on his level. And his insecurity and his rage and his pride, he began to attack. 
and he tried to snuff out the success and the life of the rightful God King of Israel. Saul abused David. Saul tried to stop David, but Jonathan didn't see David as a servant. Even though technically, as the son of the king, David was his servant. Jonathan saw David as his brother. Jonathan chose to protect David and protect him from the animosity of the previous generation, from the pains of yesterday. Here's the powerful reality of the relationship. Jonathan was the rightful heir to the throne, but he wanted instead what was best for his life. That was his privilege. That was his platform. He wanted what was best for the kingdom of God. And he says, what's best for the kingdom of God is for David to move up. It's for me to get out of the way. It's for me to actually serve and protect and promote David. One was from the palace, the other from the pastures. Jonathan said this, and I hope all of us would know that with our place of privilege, our resource, our platform, our throne is not our own. Anything that God has given us is for the service of his kingdom and for the agenda of heaven for other people's lives. My privilege is a platform to lift others up from, not look down at them. Don't ignore your place of privilege. Don't try to explain it away. Don't even be ashamed of it. We have to use it to build others. Helping them up, lifting them up, calling them up. Where can you, not try to get something for yourself, but use where you are at in life by the grace of God, by the blessing of God to build up others. Do not see other people or people groups as a threat to your God promotion. Instead, use your devotion and your heart for God to serve other people that don't look like you. Give up your platform and your privilege to build these people up and you watch and see what is best for the kingdom of God will prevail. Ultimately, through the lineage of David comes Jesus the Messiah. Jonathan lifted someone up out of the pasture into the palace and then the, the reign of the ultimate king came. That's what it means to build the kingdom. That we're looking not to leverage our life for ourselves but to lean in to what other people are at. All of us have the power to lift up people. Because as a believer, you got the power that came down to us. We got the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit more than ever to change us inside and out. This is Pentecost Sunday. You know that? This is where the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened 50 days after the resurrection and the cross. This is Pentecost Sunday. Acts 1, it said that they got together, the followers of Jesus, and they were in an upper room. They decided not to live at a low level anymore. They decided to go up. They decided to pray. They decided to worship. This is what we need. We need some upper room believers right now that aren't just going to participate in the fray. We'll stand with people. We'll walk with people. But we're going to go up spiritually speaking in here and in here. We're going to seek God. We're going to ask for him. And we're going to cry out. And we're going to ask him to do a work in us. And then what happened in Acts 2? On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. So one translation said they were united together in one accord. In other words, they weren't just in the room. They were heart and heart linked together. There was unity in that. This is why the enemy loves to use racism and being rejection and isolation. is because he knows the power of unity. If you remember back to the Old Testament, when the people that were not serving God got together to build the Tower of Babel, God said about them, when they get united like this, there is nothing impossible for them. That's the power of unity. And the enemy knows that. So God changed up their languages back then. But then in Pentecost Sunday, God brought a new language, the language of heaven, the power and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, because he knew nothing would be impossible for the church if they got united, if they begin to pray together, begin to participate together. But listen to what happened in this story. Suddenly there was a sound of heaven like a roaring and mighty windstorm. The whole house was filled with where we were sitting. The Bible says that tongues of fire rest upon them. That they all had an individual flame to hold on to in their united place of meeting in that upper room. As they were called up to what God wanted them to do. And they were completely amazed. It says then it broke out into the streets. What started in the church meeting broke out into the streets. And it didn't break out in violence. It broke out in revival. They begin to pray in other languages as the Spirit gave them empowerment. Just like the Tower of Babel where everything went wrong, God reversed it and brought unity to the church. And it started in the meeting place. It started in home to home. It started in Hillsong, Kansas City. And it broke out into the streets and revival came to them that day. Because these outsiders were there in Jerusalem. And they said, wow, they're speaking our language. They actually know how to speak to us. They're not like us, but they're speaking to us. 
This is why we all need a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit like never before. Here on Pentecost Sunday, I'm asking you, church, cry out for more of the Holy Spirit. Let's get united together in one accord, in one place. Let's make our meeting room lifted up a level from the fray and, and from the, the, the not, not separating ourselves from the pain, but seeking the purpose of God. And if we do that, he will fill us fresh and new. And it won't just stay in us for us. It will break out through us into the streets where God is wanting to bring revival to our city, revival to our nation, and it'll bring radical change to the world around us. You have to receive the gift that came down for you, the Holy Spirit. I want to pray for us as a church. I want to pray first and foremost that every one of us would have this God burden placed upon our heart and we would not be able to shake it off. As time goes on, our emotions wouldn't just fade, but lasting change would happen. And then I want to pray for some of you today. Some of you today, you need God to do a fresh work in you. In fact, some of you need to receive the gift that came down for you. You need to receive the gift of Jesus. You need to start a new relationship with him so that you can experience all that he has for you. Let me pray for you. Would you join me in prayer wherever you're at, home to home, watching by yourself? Would you join me? Father God, I thank you for everyone who's listening. Lord, I thank you for everyone people are, are, are facing right now. The pain and the frustration is not without a plan of heaven. So God, I speak, thank you right now. You're speaking to hearts. You're healing hearts for those to be courageous and to step into the conversation. For all of us to invite you in, in humility, would you investigate our hearts? Where can we change? How can we grow? Lord, give us fresh vision to see our neighbors as ourselves and to love them accordingly. Lord, give Hillsong Kansas City special favor and a, a powerful unity that nothing would be impossible for us as we trust in you and as we get committed and connected to each other in unity. Let your favor fall on us just like the Holy Spirit fell on Pentecost and let it spill out into the streets, bringing a revival to Kansas City and beyond. Lord, help us be a beacon of hope and healing, restoration and justice and mercy and heaven on earth here in this city. In Jesus' name, you're healing hearts right now, God. You're touching lives right now. I thank you, Lord, that we're going to see lasting change because you're doing a new work. If you're here right now watching, you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you have, and maybe you've been living your own way, this is your time to come home to him. And God might have just used all the tension and animosity that's going on in our world and in our own city to get you face to face with his love for you. Other people might have rejected you. Other people might have abandoned you. Other people try to pin you down or keep you out. But God wants nothing more to go face to face with you. He's not an oppressor. He's a liberator. Some of you are bound on the inside because you've never let that gift from Jesus' life and sacrifice set you free in your inside world. I believe that you can have a brand new beginning and a fresh start. Maybe you said yes to Jesus, but you've been doing things your own way. It's time to come back to him. Let him back in. He's calling you out, and he's not calling you out in anger. He's calling you out in love. He's calling you out in mercy. He's calling you out in grace. Can we pray this prayer all together as one big church family? I encourage you to pray it out loud. There's something powerful about making a declaration of our faith. Would you say this with me? Come on. Say, dear God, I give you my heart. I need you. I've been doing things my own way. It does not work. I want your ways to become my ways. I need a work of your healing to happen in my heart. I receive the gift of Jesus who came down from his place, the platform of heaven, and came to meet me in the middle of my pain. I believe he's here to set me free, to give me a fresh start. I turn from my old life. I give you my whole heart from today on. My life is yours in Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's celebrate everyone who prayed that prayer. Hey, I love you so very much. I cannot wait to see you soon. Stay tuned to social media. Keep leaning in and listen about what's happening next in our church. God bless you.